We have a couple of things that they're going to set in place that will help me in today's message. But as they do, uh, let me thank you for helping us. This past week, we had more invitations going out than we've maybe perhaps ever had. Uh, not just the conventional ways, but those of you that are now using Facebook and Twitter, uh, you really worked hard, and I want to thank you for thousands of invitations that went out. How many of you have a Facebook or Twitter? Would you raise your hand? That's amazing. Uh, matter of fact, you could just pull your phone out right now, and if you have, have a Twitter account, just tweet that Christmas at the Assembly is awesome. You can do that. We did it in the 9 o'clock, and so many people were doing it, it like it started sending people's tweets back to them because there was so much activity. Go ahead and, you know, you're going to use your phone anyway. Let's be intentional. You're going to go to the scores of the games before this service is over, so let's redeem it for a moment. Uh, it, it really makes a difference, the tens of thousands of people that can see this kind of thing. And the reason I highlight it is because this coming week, keep it up, we're going on like this invitation explosion to... Let people know what's happening. Here's what we'll do next week. We will talk about the metaphor of light. So often God talked about his son Jesus as like light coming into the darkness. If you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you didn't want to turn lights on to wake other people up, you may have found yourself stumbling in the darkness. There are many people that are confused and the metaphor is they're stumbling in the dark. And we want to show the message of Jesus as light. And when I say light, it's going to be amazing the things that our creative team will do to help illustrate the light of God shining in the darkness. You will hear a story of a lady in this church that just was, was in the deepest darkness, but the light of God's grace started to shine, and it changed her life. So it's so relevant and so powerful and so helpful that we want you to make every effort to invite people. How many of you will invite someone between now and next Sunday? Will you do that? I appreciate that. It does make a difference. We get information of why people come to this church. We try to. Matter of fact, while I'm talking to you, my phone's just like buzzing because so many of you are tweeting right now, and I love it. This is great. Let me just read some of them right here. This is awesome. Thank you for that. So that's what I mean. It, it works. But anyway, as I was saying, we get information, and the number one reason people find or attend this church is still uh, because somebody invited them. Second reason, you know what it is? People drive by. That's the second reason. They, they wonder what's going on. They see the church, and that has only, it's really increased since we put out the sign. So I thank you for your investment, and it helps us to communicate. When we were running commercials, that was a significant factor, and we're going to do that again starting in the new year. But you are still the best way that anybody will ever come to know Jesus. Matter of fact, you're God's plan in people discovering what grace is all about. And I pray you'd be more motivated and more encouraged and, and just invite everyone you can to be a part of these services for their lives to be changed. The end of our 9 o'clock gathering, there were many people who came forward to just seek God. It'll be the same this service. And perhaps it's going to be the turning point of their life. That's my desire. That's the potential when we meet like this. I was greeting people as they came today. And many of those of you that come all the time, some of you introduce guests to me that are with you. 
And I thank you for bringing people. And I think the rest of us as a church family should put our hands together because you made that effort. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. We have a carefully crafted question that frames every Sunday. Next week will be, will I walk in the light? And once they've seen it, heard the songs, seen the creative parts of the service, and heard this life-changing story and message, I believe many people will say yes. Today's carefully crafted question will be illustrated through some of the things I have on this platform. But isn't this platform stunning in how it's decorated? Wow! Our team has done a great job. Heidi, would you just stand where you are? Heidi, where's Heidi? Right there. She is the lead decorator for all of this, and it's amazing. Her and her team, they've worked so hard many weeks and then, you know, started hands-on this week. And sat up Friday morning, really early, they started. And I came in yesterday morning around 6.30, and they had never gone home. They worked all day. They worked all night. Uh, Heidi, this lady, came up to me after the 9 o'clock. And she said, tell whoever did this, it's amazing. She said, I just finished decorating one tree. And the time it took me, she said, I look at all of this. And I can't even imagine. Thank you to Heidi, her team, all of the people who've worked and sound. And let's just show our appreciation. It's amazing what people do to make a Sunday happen. So be a part of it, and you're a dynamic part of it when you look to that friend of yours and say, come and be my guest this Sunday at the assembly. Today's carefully crafted question is this. It's on the screen. Will I accept God's destiny? And as we unpack that question, it will help us to know if we're willing to answer the way the Lord would have us to. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles. It's a New Testament book. It's written by Luke. Luke was a doctor. As you're turning there, maybe I'm talking to someone and you were told that the Bible is a myth and it can't be trusted. And from the time you were told that, it just kicked the legs of faith right out from under you. And you've never gotten beyond that. Would you, you're here, so just would you open your heart and consider what you are about to receive. See, the Bible, it is not a book, and it's not a collection of books. The Bible is a collection of manuscripts that people wrote like Luke. Luke wrote this manuscript, a part of which we'll read today, so that there would be an orderly account of who Jesus is, so that people like us Read it and be aware and be confronted with the life-changing power that there is in Jesus. So just open your heart and listen to this, and we'll start in chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how it begins. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Many people, he says. Not just Luke. Many people set out to write these accounts. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Luke was there. Luke was a personal eyewitness to what you and I know as the biblical Christmas story. 
He not only wrote that from his vantage point, but he then investigated this with other eyewitnesses. This is not a fairy tale. This is truth. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. I want every one of us to be certain of the truth. Luke gave such time to investigate so that when he wrote, those of us who would listen, those of us who would read, would not be wondering, but certain that this is truth that he's giving us. He's saying, I've investigated it. I was there. And now having talked to the eyewitnesses, here's the orderly account. And now to verse 26, and listen with an ear for the detail that Luke gives us in this account. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Notice, he tells us it was the sixth month. He gives us the angel's name, the exact place. He tells us he's speaking to Mary, who was a virgin. The detail continues. She was engaged, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Remember the word favor. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor. There, that word is again. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And let me pause and tell you that when Luke's writing this, he has no idea that as a result of this story, cathedrals would be built, wars would be fought, missionaries would be sent out, People would give their lives to get this story out, Luke being one of them. People would give their lives for this story to be translated into a language for common people to understand. The far-reaching impact of Luke's orderly account of a very real person. His name is Jesus. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now before I read any more, let me just do, let me ask you a question. How many of you have heard Jesus referred to as the Son of God? You may have been in church a thousand times or this is your first time. You lift hands and say, I've heard Jesus called the Son of God. Lift it up for a moment, keep it. Look around. Just look across. I'm just planning a thought of how valid this story is. What Luke wrote has now been passed down and on through the generations to every one of us. We have heard just what Luke wrote. Jesus called the Son of God. The detail continues. Verse 36. 
What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. In what is called today's NIV, there's the international version. The latest edition is called today's NIV. Here's what it says in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. And having heard all that the angel told her, which was God's destiny, she now comes to acceptance. And she says, may it be to me according to your word. Would you say that last sentence with me out loud? Here we go. May it be to me according to your word. What is it about us that wants to know how things are going to work out? We want to know order. We have this, like, it's an insatiable desire to know how things will will happen. This tree stands as an illustration. It is just well done. It fits, it flows, and it's amazing. And that is a metaphor of life. We want to know how things are going to sequence. We, We go to school, we graduate... We continue our education or get a job. We meet somebody. We get engaged. We get married. We have kids. We have a job. We get a promotion. Life happens. It's all good. It's purpose-filled. That's the way we like life to go. What is it about us that wants to know how it's all going to work out? And I want to tell you... We're the only ones. I mean, your dog doesn't think like this. My dog doesn't think like this. Meet Aspen. This is my dog. She's a smart dog. She's a Labrador retriever. She's polar white. She's smart. But but let me show you another picture. Most of the time, that's where she is. That's what she does. Other than an occasional hunting trip and occasional other things, you'll find her right there. And I promise you, when she wakes up, She doesn't say, I wonder how yesterday's naps, all four of them, connect with the naps I'm taking today to influence the purpose of my existence. That's not happening. But you and I want to know how what's happening is going to connect with what will happen. We want to understand how yesterday is going to connect with today. We want to understand how what we have gone through or we're going through, how it somehow fits in the sequence, in the plan. And when something comes into our lives that's not according to plan, and we have to find how to place it, becomes the real crossroads of whether or not we accept God's destiny. All of us can accept God's destiny when it's flowing. It's when we're given that season, situation, or circumstance that is confusing, disturbing. Isn't the Christmas story like the preeminent story to understand what it means to really accept destiny? I mean, come on, it's exactly the way it is for Mary. She is engaged. She will marry Joseph. They will have kids, do life, and it's all going to be awesome. 
But an angel shows up. Gabriel. And announces to her, the way this is going to unfold, and it's unusual. Matter of fact, the message paraphrase says when the angel shows up, he says, surprise. If your kids ever just like come running to you and, and they're, they're like, I love you. And you're like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Surprise. The angel says to Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. It will be an immaculate conception. How do you explain that? How do you tell that to your fiancé? How do you tell that to your parents? How do you, in that culture, deal with that? Go forward in the story to where they're now on their way to Bethlehem because this man Caesar has ordered that everyone should be taxed and they've got to return to their hometown to register. By this point, Mary is like really pregnant. King James says she was great with child. And she goes to Bethlehem and she has to ride a donkey. It's 120 miles. At that, at that time of year, it was hot. This is the one who's highly favored. No epidural. I had a teacher who wanted us to understand the truth of the Bible, and, and she would use, at that time, it was like this flannel board. Does anybody remember the flannel board? And, and they would put the, the different clip art on the flannel board, and she put this clip art of Mary on the donkey, and Mary had like this flowing robe thing going, and this winsome, pleasant look on her face, and Joseph was just leading the donkey, and my teacher said, whoever made this clip art has either never been pregnant or never really read this story. Because the reality of that is very tough. 120 miles at the point of giving birth, and it's hot. And when you finally make it to Bethlehem and you go to the hotel, you're highly favored. And the innkeeper says, we're out of rooms. Where do you place that in God's destiny for your life? They end up in a barn. She gives birth to Jesus in a stable. Today's question is how you deal with God's destiny when you are given one of those situations or seasons and you don't see where it fits. And how you reconcile that will determine whether or not you can say yes to God's plan. Like when suddenly you're told your position with the company is no more. And you're unemployed. You didn't see it coming. 
an illness. It's led to hospital stays and treatment. You didn't see that coming. You never had that as part of the the sequence of events unfolding in God's destiny, awesome plan for your life. A relational struggle that you never thought you would have. And it has not only brought confusion, it has overwhelmed and consumed all of your emotional space and it is so disturbing that it keeps you up at night. Now you've got to figure out where that fits in God's grand scheme. And how you deal with this will determine whether or not you can say yes to God's destiny. You would have to admit that when Mary hears this from the angel, she processes through and says, okay, Lord, so be it according to your word. And then she is ordered to Bethlehem after having to figure out how to tell Joseph, how to tell her parents. They go to Bethlehem by way of a donkey, 120 miles in the heat, and there's no room. Every bit of that says God has lost control. In the natural, trying to put yourself in Mary's shoes, you'd have to say, Things seem really out of control, just the way it is when we get handed a situation and things seem out of control. When things seem the most out of control in the Christmas story, God was still in control. Now, hear that. It's one of the great parts of the Christmas story and even Easter. When Jesus is being beaten within an inch of his life, nailed to a cross, forsaken, It seems that it's out of control, but God was very much in control. At the intersection where the world was just exacting the most from Mary and Joseph, and it was tougher than it had ever been, and it seemed unthinkable and unredeemable and and something that you couldn't place in the sequence of events was at a time where God was still out in front and in fact working his plan of world redemption. For Mary is going to Bethlehem and it's all according to prophetic vision. And sometimes prophetic destiny is different than our own plan of how life should go. Let me show you that 25 years later, one of the writers of two-thirds of your your Bible, the New Testament specifically, his name is Paul, who was in sin, gets saved, and in his destiny, God would order that he would write two-thirds of the New Testament. In Ephesians 1, verse 11, here's what Paul writes. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose in us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Look at that word, everything. Say that word with me. Everything. Now look. Everything. Everything. When you don't understand, when it makes no sense, 
It's out of sequence. It's not in sync. It's not in step. Everything. If we can accept this verse, then we can always say yes to God's destiny. Because just like the Christmas story ends up being incredible and there is this crimson flow of redemption through the Christ child so that you and I could be saved. And it happened through the most unusual set of circumstances, but all part of destiny. If we get this, then the same will happen with our life. No matter what you say, there's nothing good about 120 miles when you're pregnant. There are things in your life and mine that in and of themselves, they're not good. The Bible doesn't say that everything works together for the good. It says all things in the scope of time and in the sovereignty of God. In the scope of time and in the sovereignty of God, all things. Work together for good. Everything. According to plan. When you can't figure out the seasons, the situations. It's when you have to experience the factor of Emmanuel. The only way you can reconcile one of these... And place it is by the grace that comes to you through the presence of Jesus. That he's with you when you don't understand. He's with you when you're confused. He's with you when you're disturbed. He is with you. Leading up to this this Sunday, I've had a prayer for those that would be going through one of these and it's created confusion. And I thought it interesting when I got up this morning to come here, there was a dense fog. And it just encouraged my prayer even more because when you're confused, it's like life in the fog. You, you can't even see the next day or the next season. You don't see how all of this is going to connect for something beautiful, something good, something amazing. If you're confused about a situation or season, today is your day to experience Jesus, the one who comes in the midst of the confusion to reveal his presence. There's a difference in the emotion of confusion and when you're disturbed. Mary said she was confused and disturbed. Maybe you're disturbed, it means it's overwhelming. It has occupied every thought, all the space in your emotions. It keeps you up at night. When you finally go to sleep and wake up, it's what is on your mind. I've had situations and seasons where I didn't have the energy for other things because that energy was consumed over that one thing that was unfolding in my life. That seemed so out of orders. Like there would never be a good time, and certainly not now. 
I said, Lord, why this? Why me? Why now? Why us? What I'm saying is, Lord, this was not part of my life plan. This was not how I saw things happening. Maybe this represents an illness, unemployment, financial struggle, relational struggle. When you're disturbed, there's a lot of tears. You're like, here it is, Christmas, and these tears I'm crying, they aren't tears of joy. They're tears of sorrow because I'm hurting and I'm wondering how this is going to work out. I can say yes when the tears are flowing because they're tears of joy. There's so much joy, it's bouncing off the walls. It's surround sound joy of the Lord. But like the psalmist in Psalm 84 who talked about a valley of weeping because the season was so difficult is another issue when it comes to saying yes. And to not open up the Christmas story And look at the reality. Is to perhaps give a message of destiny that says it's all sunshine. It's all in in sequence. It will just be ordered just like you think. The reason you wake up every day and want to know how it connects. The reason you won't like to take orders because you're made in the image of God. And God is a God of order. God is a God of destiny. The reason you want to know why you exist is because God put that in you. It's a result of being made in the image of God. My dog Aspen isn't wondering why she exists. It's not in her. It is in you as God's creation, as his people, to want to know why you are here. And when you process the skill set, the relationships, the experiences, the education, and how it all merges to form a sense of purpose, you start ordering and life planning and deciding and moving in accordance. And when something is handed to you, that's not part of the plan. It's unusual. It's unwanted. It's then. That's the moment. That determines a yes to destiny. I want to pray for people today. You've been handed one of these. And it just doesn't seem to have a place. And it's certainly one part of your plan. For the group that's just confused... It's just one of those times, it's it's foggy when it comes to your sense of purpose and what God is doing. The second group, you're just disturbed, you're hurting. It's, It's miserable. I want to pray for you. When Jesus was born, it was one of these. He wasn't born in the hotel. He wasn't born in the luxury suite. He wasn't born in all of the creature comforts. He was born in a very harsh place. It was the 
the immediate harsh realities of this world so that from moment one there would be no disconnect. That he understands the uncertain and the imperfect and the unreasonable. I mean, wouldn't Mary like, hey angel, like the one who, could you not have made a reservation? <laughs> See, we, we have to put skin on these people that we've heard about all of these years because this is an orderly account written by Dr. Luke of very real people with a real life. And we find ourselves in the story and the life-giving power that empowered Mary to make it from where she was to where God wanted her to be to giving birth to Emmanuel. There's the same God in this room today. Watching over you. Wanting to give you his presence to strengthen you and to sustain you while you reconcile this. And you will live to see that even this, covered by grace and God's sovereignty, is part of a plan.